Hi guys, I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Randa Materi, and we are Hand Therapy Academy. We're going to be chatting a little bit about Dupuytren's, uh, Dupuytren's disease and what it means for hands and hands function and all that kind of stuff. All right, so let's get into first the cords. Um, we need to. We don't need to talk too much about the cords, but just know that they have an impact on what type of contracture that there is, right? So different cords have different impacts. Impact. And Josh, why don't you talk about the difference between a cord and um, a soft tissue band, those types of things? Yeah, so there's all kinds of um, fascial anatomy within the hand and anatomy guys have decided we're going to split all this up and name everything very specific parts like we always do. We've got spiral bands, we've got natatory bands, we've got pretendinous bands, we've got lateral and all these different parts. Then we've got cords. A cord is a composite of several different bands that all bind up together. They start with a little nodule and then turn into a like a longitudinal, like a proximal to distal tightness of that fascial tissue. And so if they say a spiral cord, that's not just a spiral band, it's several things. It just resides primarily over that. So we have pretendinous cords, spiral cords, natatory cords, but almost all of them have just a, um, a proximal distal orientation. They'll start on PIP and then some will start on um, distal palmar crease or MCP, tightening that down and shortening it down quite a bit. Yeah. And most commonly we know the ring finger is affected the most usually followed by the small finger, then the long finger, then the index finger. So kind of definitely it's more impacted on those ulnar digits. And so what are some of the treatments that you're seeing and doing in your clinic? Are you seeing these before any intervention has been done? What's kind of your so I see kind of two presentations of patients. The one is a patient who come in from, comes in from like a primary care doctor. They've got something wrong with their hand, so they send them into a hand, uh, hand therapist. If, if I see them before they've seen a surgeon, I do kind of a, a little algorithm. If it's less than a 30-degree contracture of MCP or PIP, most surgeons say, let it ride. If it doesn't get any worse than that, and so I just do some education with patients and say, it stinks, but... Doing surgery, doing other things is only likely to make it worse, but conservative therapy does not have any um, research basis in being effective, very low success rate with conservative treatment. Um, so I'll then send them to a surgeon or I see after they've seen the surgeon, one of a couple different procedures, and then we address accordingly depending on if it's post-operative or some of the other options. Right. And so if it is under that 30 degrees, they're still doing sometimes the collagenase injections, right? Or the needle aponeurotomy procedure. I feel like those are still options, even if they um, aren't going in for a complete fasciectomy. There's some less invasive options that the patient can have, not from a therapist, of course, but from a hand surgeon. Yeah, yeah. And so there's different tiers of response uh, of treatment that you can pursue as a patient. Um, all the, the primary three come from a surgeon, the needle aponeurotomy, the um, uh, the collagenase injections or a surgical open release, all three options, different levels of how much the patient needs care afterwards kind of depends on the presentation beforehand too. The more, the longer they've lived with it and the more severe the, um, the flexion contracture, the more they'll need after the fact and the less likely they are to have ideal outcomes. Right. Yeah, definitely. Oh, sorry. Had a little interruption <laughs> from the fam. That's okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> 
that's part of what we do is we're doing this in between other tasks and and, and yes. dealing with kids. <laughs> I know, right? It's our weekend yeah. filming. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. So, um, so let's talk about some of the options. A needle aponeurotomy is one of the lowest tier options, and that's when we look at if we're just doing like um, they they take a, a broader needle and kind of perforate the the whole cord, and they go in and just. Poke, 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 all along the length of that and do a release of it where they open that up and so that should release the cord. It may need another like cycle of like, oh, we got a little adhesion down here, but they're doing just a manual release of that cord's tension. Yeah, using that sharp beveled edge of that. Yeah, they know they're pretty large needles, but they'll just really take that sharp edge of that needle and kind of release it systematically. Of course, being you have to be really careful with these because sometimes there's that neurovascular bundle that's right next to the cord. So that's when I think it's really great to have a hand surgeon who really knows that anatomy intricately. Um, so if you were had to choose between the the collagenase versus the needle ponerotomy, which would you do? If you were a patient with Dupuytren's, which would you do and why would you do it? Uh, the, the collagenase, I think I would probably pick that one. I tend to see just what's come across my doorstep. I think I've seen more successful outcomes with that. Although that one, you do the injection and then like, Three days later, typically you come back and there's more of a, I call it a ballistic or a violent release where they do this big yank on it and it pops and and it's this big catharsis movement thing. So that's a little bit jarring for some people. Um, and there's some some risk and potential of, of uh, rupturing other structures, although there is some risk with hitting the neurovascular structures with the uh, ponderotomy. So I think I would pick the collagenase. Uh, how about you? What do you think? Um, I think, you know, like you, I guess I worked um, closely with a hand surgeon that would do a lot of the needle ponderotomies. And so I think I would pick that one because that's probably what I've seen. And I feel the most comfortable with, I have seen, you know, the collagenase injections, but just, um, watching him go in and like precisely cut just those cords and not having to have that violent, um, I guess I shouldn't even call it violent, but that where they're really aggressively grasping it and having that popping sensation. But I, I think they're both great options. And I think the great thing is that if you do one, you can still do the other one too. So if the collagenase injection doesn't work that well, you could still go in and have the needle ponderotomy done. And then vice versa, if you do the needle ponderotomy, you could go in and have the, um, collagenase injection done. So I think that's like the great thing is that if one doesn't work, then at least you have a shot at doing the other before you go in and have the complete, you know, where they open it up and then they do the fasciectomy. Um, so I think either are great options. I think it is kind of like you said, what you're comfortable with and probably what the surgeon is comfortable with. If the surgeon told me to do one, I would probably trust his judgment and what he feels most comfortable in doing. Yeah. Um, if I want one procedure and the surgeon I go to is more comfortable with the other. I'm not going to ask him to do something. It's not in his comfort wheelhouse. I'm going to either go with what he recommends or find a doctor that does the procedure I think about. Asking them to do something different is right. not usually a good recipe for success. Right, yeah. right. So let's talk about the open procedure. Um, and that's usually either something more involved, uh, more uh, long-term or a more extreme contraction, or sometimes just the doctor's preference to do an open release. Um, what are some of the downstream treatment um, protocols and plans for that? Yeah. So this one really depends on how severe the contracture is. If it's an MCP contracture, okay, not too bad. But if we're getting to where it's a PIP contracture and the patient has had that for a long time, you know, maybe it's someone that's really held off on providing any intervention for a long time and that PIP is contracted, you know, beyond the 25 degrees, then we start thinking about is that central slip or that central mechanism all stretched out and attenuated? Because even if we get the release done and we get that and we even release, say, the volar plate and 
those structures too, what's going to say that, what's going to hold that finger into extension after the release? So I would say for the more severe cases, I think therapy is really key in those because we want to, you know, after the procedure, get it, get them held into extension, making sure we're keeping that PIP joint straight, but then we want them to move, but we don't want them to move too much if we're trying to get that um, extensor mechanism tightened back up. So it's more complicated um, for the severe cases. I think having good therapy after that's really crucial. And then for the other um, procedures like the needle and the um, collagenases, it's usually just a couple of visits, right? If things are going well, it's you're usually putting them in a, a nighttime extension splint and showing them some exercises during the day. And I think sometimes people think we need to put these on maximum tension. We don't, right? So we know if we put too much tension on these after the procedures have done, the patients tend to have a flare response and that flare response can really um, hinder their therapy or make it last a lot longer. So putting just the right amount of stretch, that low load stretch, that's not too aggressive. Yeah. And tapering any kind of palm or splint that is on a, a light stretch, um, progressing that to slightly more, slightly more until they're able to get that full range. And that may just mean they come back for modifications of the splint. I've seen some patients where they had very severe contractures. They had a collagenase injection and they had poor outcomes because everything else was still very tight. So it's also patient presentation. If this is going to be someone who's, you know, they had, I had a guy with an open release, saw him two or three times for progression of the splint, watching wound and he was done. And another person had a collagenase injection and they weren't doing well at all. And he had all kinds of pain and others because he was a year and a half into this. So it's, it's partly knowing a protocol and partly being able to deviate that from that when necessary. Yeah, definitely. And then there's other things, you know, you can provide education on, like having them wear a padded glove after, um, you know, that all the wounds have closed. That can be helpful when they're doing like any sort of racket sport or even grabbing the steering wheel. So doing just a lot of patient education on long-term management, I think, is helpful as well. Yeah. All right. Lots of good information on Dupatrins. Um, if you have any questions for us or want to reach out, you can reach us at info at handtherapyacademy.com or you can uh, send us a message on Instagram. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. All right, see you guys.